It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 494 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. As always, thanks so much for listening. This week it's another great doubleheader, and it starts off with Ron Mars and wraps up with Josh George. Ron Mars, of course, is the well-known comics pro who has done many good things, including Green Lantern and Silver Surfer, and he's got a brand new book called Resolution that's coming out on Zoop.gg, which some of you may remember from my interview last week. It's an epic new tale, and it features an outer space core of heroes. And a legendary member has withdrawn to a remote world, but she may have to get involved in the universe again. If you go to zoop.gg slash c slash resolution, you'll find it there. And be sure to support it, because it looks like a terrific book, and I want to see more of Resolution. Then everything wraps up with my talk with artist Josh George from Top Cow and Image Comics, the book called A Man Among You. He starts off with issue number five, which is coming out this Wednesday. So you want to make sure that you let your comic shop know you want that. Here's a quick description of what's going on. Pirate Queen Anne Bonny is back with her crew of lady buccaneers after a harrowing escape from a Caribbean prison. Can they find a safe haven on land or sea from the governor's promise to hunt down and execute Anne? We talk about sequential art, what the comic series is about, and what we might expect from Josh in the future. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy what he has to say. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. It's terrific to welcome back to the podcast, Ron Mars. Oh, gosh, Green Lantern fame, Silver Surfer, you name it, all kinds of wonderful uh, books that you've been doing, Ron. How are you? Uh, I'm good. You know, post, well, I guess I was going to say post-pandemic, I'm doing well, but we're not really post-pandemic. We're sort of maybe on the downside in certain places and not so downside in other places. Yeah, that's true. And, And I'm hoping the conventions and stuff will start rearing up. Uh, so we can get the conventions and stuff. Yeah, a little bit. I've, I've, you know, started to get invitations, and so I kind of sort out um, the ones that I'm going to do for the remainder of the year, which are really kind of redos from, um, from you know, the the back end of 2020 that just kind of got blown out of the water. Um, yes. So uh, we're, you know, it's, it, in some ways, I guess we're kind of in a time loop. So I'm doing doing the shows from 2020 that I had agreed to in 2021 now. Okay. Well, you know, that, that'll be good. That'll work. Um, well, while we're on that subject, do you want to talk about which ones? Do you know which ones or can you talk about them yet? Um, yeah, I'm going to be at, uh, I'm going to be in Washington, DC for awesome con. At oh, the- I'll see you there. 
Uh, excellent. Well, awesome, as they say. Um, yeah, that was that was one that was you know was scheduled and then got pushed back and pushed back and then canceled. So um, I'm looking forward to that. And then um, uh, let's see. I don't know. Well, you know, if they haven't announced me, they will soon. So um, uh, Portland Rose City Comic Con in Ooh. September. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, Granite State in New Hampshire in September as well. Wow. And then, uh, believe in October, um, Supercon in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Mm. My first, my first time in a Dakota. So, um, mm. I'm intrigued to see how that all goes. Oh boy. That'd and then great. my local is, uh, Albany Comic Con, which is, uh, middle of November. Oh, good. Okay. Good. I, I think I saw you in Florida, didn't I? One time, were you at at uh, SuperCon in Florida? There's a, a... I've, yeah, I've done a few. I've done a few Florida shows. Obviously, you know when I when I was in Florida for um, CrossGen mm-hmm. when we lived in Florida, mm-hmm. um, MegCon was was the regular, mm-hmm. um, and then um, I've done the Tampa Bay show a few times, and um, I don't think I've done any other shows in Florida besides those two. Um, okay. you know, the, the, you know, the notion of the notion of Florida in like January or February always seems like a really good idea. So mm-hmm. hopefully somebody invites me to, to somewhere in the su- sunshine state. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, particularly when, uh, particularly when spring training is going on, if I can combine spring training and, uh, and uh, Florida con, that's, that's the way to do it. I did, uh, I did a West Palm show actually, which was, mm. which was greatly, uh, influenced by the fact that the Mets uh, spring training facility was like half an hour up the, up the uh, interstate. So uh, cool. I went around a couple of days and, you know, went to, went to see my team. Good. Good. That's great. Cause uh, are you going to go to New York by any chance? Um, I, I might, I'm certainly not going to set up in New York. Um, mm-hmm. Setting up in New York is a whole, is a whole ordeal that, uh, mm-hmm. that I would, would prefer not to, to beard that particular lion in his den. Okay. Uh, but New York is, you know, New York's a two hour train ride away from me. So, um, so it's, it's easier for me to, you know, it's easier for me to hop on the train and go in for a day or maybe two. Um, mm-hmm. And, and frankly, you know, see friends and have meetings probably somewhere outside of the Javits center uh, mm-hmm. just because the, the Javits itself is so, um, you know, is such a, uh, they could, you know, they could fill the Javits twice with, the number of people that want to get in. So it's always a fairly crowded experience. Um, so I think a lot of people are kind of finding that they, they end up um, doing their, their con business somewhere outside of uh, mm-hmm. outside of the convention center. Okay. It always amazes me. I always like to compare New York to San Diego. If you go to San Diego, the whole downtown is swallowed whole by San Diego comic-con. You go to New York, you go walk a block away and they don't know what's going on. Yeah, it's a it's a whole different experience. Um, you know, you might you might see a Ninja Turtle uh, somewhere on Eleventh Avenue, but beyond that, uh, you know, beyond people people cosplaying, mm-hmm. just kind of you know, everybody leaves the convention center, and New York just absorbs everything. Yeah, because um, I was on the subway. Uh, I don't know what to call it up there, but there was a guy dressed like the Hulk, and nobody seemed to notice. No, that's that's New York. That's just you know, uh, you know, they wouldn't have noticed if he was dressed as the Hulk and on fire. Uh, it's just, that's a particularly New York thing to uh, New York character. Yeah. 
Very true, very true. So I say, okay, all those good things. So let's get to the important stuff here. Uh, you've got uh, on zoop.gg, you've got your uh, resolution project. I, I'm not exactly sure. I'm used to Kickstarter terminology, so I have to be careful how I pronounce it or what kind of terms we use. Uh, anyway, you have the uh, resolution is the, the first one that's going on for you. And uh, why don't I read the description that's on here and we can dive into the book. It says, join forces with three comic legends in creating a new cosmic saga. And of course they mean you, Andy Lanning, Lanning and Ron Lenardi. Rick, I don't know why. Rick Lenardi. Why did I mess that up? That's terrible. A legendary member of an outer space core of heroes has withdrawn to a remote world in solitude. But her past catches up to her as her former comrades arrive to convince her to come back and bring a former arch nemesis to justice. Resolution is an epic new tale by the masters of cosmic storytelling presented as an oversized hardcover graphic novel. And the important thing is we were talking before we started to record. It looks like the, this is all going to wrap up on the 28th of July, which I think is a Wednesday. So, And, and I may be off on that, but uh, don't wait until then to, to jump on board and to, to back it. Because uh, I jumped on board and backed it uh, already, which is uh, a great book. I, I, I actually ordered how much I think of it. I, I don't regularly order hardcovers, but I ordered the hardcover graphic novel well the the idea with this was uh you know was we want you to um you know we want to we want to get you the deluxe package first uh, mm -hmm. in a lot of ways comics kind of do um kind of comics kind of do that backwards like you, you know when when a new stephen king hardcover comes out it's the big lavish hardcover that's the first thing that that the publisher offers you mm -hmm. and then it becomes a you know a a smaller trade paperback and then it becomes a mass market paperback. Um, so it gets cheaper and smaller as you go in normal publishing mm -hmm. in comics. We do the cheapest package first in the monthly book and then we sell you the trade paperback and then we sell you the hardcover and then maybe we sell you the deluxe oversized edition. Um, mm -hmm. So in some ways we, you know, we, we do all of it backwards. Um, so the, uh, the, the idea here is that, this is the this is kind of the lavish hardcover production oversize of of the book uh coming out of the gate first which is great i mean i love hardcovers uh my problem is i run out of space every once in a while and i just want to go to digital to do that but uh it, it really looks gorgeous i mean i can see if you go to zoop.gg slash c slash resolution you'll get to see what the cover looks like and your different options are there, so which is really great to, to see that. I love the cover, and I, I, as I always do, I love a strong female lead, which looks like you have in this book. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Um, yeah, you know, honestly, so our lead is uh, Zan Maddox is her name. Uh, Zan spelled X A A N because that looks cool in all of her case. Um, <laughs> So, um, so in, in a lot of, you know, to boil down what we're doing in resolution, um, the, you know, the, the Hollywood elevator pitch is kind of, uh, like unforgiven meets the green lantern core. Hmm. Um, so Zan Maddox is one of the greatest heroes of her outer space team, outer space, uh, core, uh, which is called the resolute, um, hence the title resolution, um, also playing into the fact that, 
um, she has to see clearly to define what her choices are going to be going forward. Um, so she is one of the greatest members of the Resolute, which are um, our, our outer space core of heroes gathered from uh, worlds across the galaxy um, who have energy powers. And um, those energy powers are augmented by, um, by bionics and, uh, and high level technology um, that uh, these aliens who control the Resolute um, uh, give to the, to, to those who join. Um, and, uh, she's had a storied career, um, amongst her storied career is, um, her arch nemesis, who is an alien warlord, uh, endeavoring to, um, destroy the galaxy so he can recreate the galaxy that came before. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, she has defeated him in the past. And part of our story will be told in flashbacks to that past. Mm-hmm. Um, the double page spread that Rick Leonardi drew that is up on the, on the uh, Zoop site right now mm-hmm. is one of those, uh, one of those past uh, incidents. So we're, you know, we're chronicling um, her heroic career when she was at her height, um, as well as picking up her story now after she's retired, left the, uh, left the resolute and retreated to a planet um, to kind of be a farmer and um, just uh, be by herself. Um, and what happens is that, uh, that people from her past seek her out and say, we've found your arch nemesis. He's, you know, he's in bad shape. He's, fe- he's failing. Um, and we can go get him, and we can bring him to justice, and we can collect the reward that goes along with it. <laughs> so, uh, so Zan Maddox is faced with the choice of of kind of saddling up again and doing, doing the hero thing again, um, to remove this, uh, this warlord, this arch nemesis, uh, forever from the galaxy or, um, or to just turn her back on all of that and live in peace and solitude. So her decision, uh, is a big part of this first volume, uh, her, what she decides to do, um, dictates where the rest of this story goes. Um, and hopefully we'll get to future volumes uh, of this story and see how the whole thing plays out. Oh, that'd be cool. Do you, do you have any idea how many volumes you want to do? Um, I mean, initially we'd love to do three. We'd love to do um, enough pages to fill three volumes. Uh, hmm. Kind of have, have a, a three volume story mapped out. Um, and if we can do more than three, so much the better. We'd be happy to. Um, but three is the three is kind of the initial uh, is the initial hope. Do we know what her powers are? Um, they're they're sort of energy powers. Uh, okay. She can she can channel um, what we in the story are calling dark matter. Um, so she can generate uh, she can generate uh, a sword. She can generate weapons. She can manipulate energy. Um, so not uh, not quite what a green what a green lantern does, but still an energy based. Um, form of, uh, of uh, well, really a weapon for her. Um, so um, she's, you know, she was the she was the best that there was, mm-hmm. and maybe isn't anymore because she's lost a step. But um, but now she has to decide whether she's she's going to go back to that life. 
It, it, it sounds, uh, one of the things that really uh, appeals to me about this story is the fact that she's an older female lead. Uh, in comics, we tend to have, if they're going to be a female lead, they're going to be usually younger. And so to hear of a uh, uh, kind of, you know, like you said, she lost a step, to be a little less, um, I don't know exactly how to say it. I don't want to insult anybody, but I, the fact that she's a little older and in, in, in her experience, I find that really appealing because I haven't read that very much. So I think that's really, that's a really creative way to go with this. I, I really like that. Um, I, you know, it, it, we, we kicked around the notion of whether, um, whether she should be, she, whether the main character should be um, male, female, uh, human, alien, uh, so we we kicked around all of the um, uh, all of the the parameters, all of the variables, and just in terms of the story content and the the avenues it opened up for us, um, we felt like um, an older woman was was going to reveal the the you know the richest story uh, content for us. Um, <laughs> And frankly, we you know we we all love Linda Hamilton in the Terminator movie. She kicks ass. So uh, mm-hmm. so certainly when when she was designed, that was one of the people that we were looking at. Mm-hmm. Cool, because it, she she really looks great. What I see of the cover looks really great. Um, working with Rick Leonardi, how was that as as far as like designing and, and things like that? What, what does he bring that maybe somebody else may not? Um, you know, Rick's just, you know, Rick's one of the best, I, you know, and I, I say that and, um, obviously I've known Rick for years and we've worked together on a bunch of different things over the years and, uh, have kind of worked together pretty consistently, um, for the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, almost constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done, um, we've done the death wish comics, uh, or death wish coffee series of comics. And at the moment, Rick is also finishing up a 140-page graphic novel called Blue Angel that we did together um, that will be out from Naval Institute Press. Um, there's, you know, Rick and I always have something going on together, and this is, you know, this is the next one in the series. Um, I mean, so setting setting aside the friendship, and he's just a guy that I like to hang out with and, and make things with, um, He's, he's a, for my money, he's one of the completely unique artists in this business. Um, there aren't, there, there aren't many people who do what Rick does. Um, his, his style and his sense of storytelling are fairly unique. There's, there are no, there are no Rick Leonardi imitators out there for the most part, um, because I don't think anybody else can do what he does. Um, there are certainly people that have been influenced by Rick and people who have, um, who have um, embraced what he does and tried to bring it into their own work, but, but there's only one Rick. So um, when Andy and I were putting this together, I said, you know, we really, you know, let's, let's go talk to Rick. Cause he's, you know, he's always a pleasure to work with. Um, and he brings to the process um, something nobody else brings uh, from a, both from the storytelling sense and the, and the design sense. Um, if you go to the zoop page for, resolution you can see a lot of the designs that rick has done um both for uh for zan maddox and the kind of the uniform of of the resolute as well as the villain the villain's starship 
Um, it's just stuff that I don't think anybody else would come up with. His, mm-hmm. um, his, his approach is, is uh, all completely unique. Um, and it, it honestly makes our job easier. You know, we just turn, you know, turn the design notes over to Rick and turn the script over to Rick and he does what he does. Um, and, you know, the, every day that a new page comes into uh, my inbox, it's like Christmas. <laughs> that, that's one of the great things, I'm sure, as a writer, is you get to see the artwork. And so many times artists will take you somewhere that even you didn't think you were going to go. Oh, it's still absolutely the best part of the process. It's the, you know, I've been doing this for, you know, more than 30 years. And it's still the part of the process that I wouldn't trade for anything for love nor money. Um, because that, um, that moment when you get the, uh, when you get the artwork, uh, in your inbox, it's you know, used to actually come via, via fax machine, uh, or, or even via FedEx in the, in the, in the before times, uh, <clears throat> you know, the, there's no, uh, there's no substitute for, for that uh, feeling of opening up a page. I, in fact, I just opened a page uh, before we started chatting from, uh, from Daryl Banks, my, uh, my partner in crime on Green Lantern uh-huh. uh, on a project that we're, we're doing together that hasn't been announced yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's just the best part of the whole thing um, to see the, the stuff that was in your head and only existed in your head that you put on the page and put in the script and said, here, this is what I'm seeing. And it comes back to you. Um, you know, it's, it's what was in your head, but it's better. Um, <laughs> most, most of the time it's, it's better. Um, I, you know, I love art. I love storytelling. Um, but I can't draw to save my life. It's just not something I'm able to do. I can, I can see the pictures in my head. I can describe them in a script, but I can't sit down and do it myself. Um, so, so to be able to visualize these stories and then work with somebody who does bring it to life in that manner um, is, is why I still think this is the greatest job in the world. Mm-hmm. Which is great. Uh, it's going to be great fun to see. I have to find out what the other, you got me interested in that other project too. Um, there's, you know, I, I have to admit there's a, there's a bunch of stuff that's, you know, that's in my inbox that, from things that are not announced yet that, um, uh, that I'm not in a position to announce, but I, mm-hmm. you know, I always say, well, I'm working with this guy on a thing that I can't tell you what it is and <laughs> working with another guy on another thing that won't be out until January. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, I, sometimes I think it, you know when you hear creators say, "Oh, well, I, you know, that project hasn't been announced yet." Um, it, it sounds like we're, you know, we're being coy, but, mm-hmm. but ultimately, um, the the publishers get kind of annoyed if you run your mouth about stuff oh. and ruin the ruin the announcements for the for the market because it's all timed. You know, it it's time to to get an, a specific impact, and if you spoil all that. Uh, some folks get kind of irate, uh, and and well, they should look. They're you know they're 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 paying us good money uh, to do this stuff, and um, and we don't have the right to um, kind of step on those marketing plans. This yeah. uh, comics is still the shotgun marriage of of art and commerce, and uh, <laughs> you know we deal more with the art side, but you can't forget about the commerce side. <laughs> 
Right, right. Show business, as they like to say. The business aspect sometimes. Uh, some people get mad at, but I never do because that's what keeps it going. Sure. If you, don't, you know, if you don't tend to the business side of it, um, pretty soon you don't have the art side of it anymore. Yeah, which is true. Now, as as we're talking, uh, your goal is $25,000. And you're, you've got a good start, but honestly, we need to get in there to make sure that that happens. We need to get as many people going. I've backed it. Uh, I, I went for the $40 oversized hardcover graphic novel, as they say on here. There are other levels to go for. There's a $55 one with the, the hardcover and the companion. There's also, you can get a portfolio case. That's 135. Three of those have been claimed so far. There are some other wonderful bits in there. That that You mentioned the double page spread. That goes for $1,000. And that, there's only one of those. So you're going to, if you want that, you need to get in there pretty quickly. And, you know, I, honestly, in an odd way, there's two of those. Uh, but you get them both um, because of, um, because of the way we're working, you know, Rick is Rick is penciling, you know, old school pencil on paper, mm-hmm. um, and Rick is Rick is on the East Coast um, near Philly, uh, mm-hmm. and Andy, who is inking it, is outside of London. Um, <laughs> so rather than um, putting pages in a box and shipping them back and forth, uh, Rick scans his pencils. And sends them to Andy, and Andy prints them, prints the pencils out on a on a, another sheet of paper for um, uh, on blue line. So it's you know the pencils are there, but they're in blue, so that they can't be um, so that they can't be uh, reproduced. They don't show up. Uh, so Andy inks the blue line. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you buy one of the original art rewards, um, the cover. The double page spread. There will we'll be adding more as we uh, as we go. Um, you get Rick's original pencils and you get Andy's inks. So um, you get actually both pieces, and you know you can you can do that thing where you frame them side by side, and it looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool, very cool. Now, some of the stuff's already gone. Uh, the the one thing I always line up once I actually could afford it and I got it done. You get to become a featured character in the book. Somebody's already got that. Somebody's already got that one. I think, I think it's possible we'll we'll add another one because that one went fairly quickly, and mm-hmm. um, we'll we'll figure out a way to to make that happen for somebody else. Although I think we've got sort of incidental character appearances um, in the uh, uh, in still still available, mm-hmm. which is great. I, I I paid for to be in a, a Moby Dick as a zombie book. And I, you, the 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 creator showed it to me. I I, I hadn't had a chance to to find myself. And I said, "Where is it?" And he pointed it out to me. He said, "Oh man, I'm going to print that out and save that forever to see my face in a in a comic book." I I, th- cool. I think these. I think the you know the page that you appear on if you're a featured character. I think you get the original artwork for that page too. Oh, ex- excellent! I said, "Yeah, that'd be fun to have another one of those because I bet you." I bet you there's other people that would really like to get that. And then there's a, they also, somebody also got the meet and greet with you and Andy with a sketch. So um, if, if Andy's in the UK, how are you guys going to do that? Um, well, we're going to do it. We're going to do it how we do everything now on zoom. Ah, okay. Um, so it'll be a, uh, you know, it'll be a virtual meet and greet, but Andy will, Andy will actually, I think the plan is, um, you know, we'll do like Q and a and just hang out and have a beer or whatever you want to do. Um, and Andy will be doing sketches during the meet and greet. So, 
Uh, I believe there's a, I believe a sketch is part of that meet and greet. So you will actually get to watch Andy draw your sketch hmm. as part of the meet and greet. Cool. You've got all kinds of good stuff within this in here. You've got other sketches too. There's, there's add-ons. Uh, speaking of which, you can become a background character drawn into the book. Uh, those haven't been claimed yet. So if, if somebody wants to do that, that sounds like a good thing. Um, yeah, great. background character. Andy and Rick are both doing sketches. You can get the book signed. Um, we tried to split the difference between having a robust uh, menu of options for people to uh, for people to pledge or buy or however you want to say it, um, mm-hmm. and not getting so carried away with options that it's just overwhelming. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, this is a this is a new platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zoop is a comics centric platform, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the reasons that we decided to to bring this project to Zoop. Um, but when you are dealing with a new platform, you know it's, mm-hmm. it's not Kickstarter, so people aren't as familiar with it. They're not mm-hmm. um, they're not uh, as used to navigating the page. Um, we've you know we've some of it's trial and error, like how do you know how do you set up the how do, how do you best set up the page and where do you put the additional rewards and the add-ons and all that stuff? So it's an ongoing process as we sort of, um, as we sort of tinker with it to, to make for the most, uh, the most pleasing user experience. Mm-hmm. Which is great. Cause uh, I always like to be on the ground floor with that. I always wish that I had been there when Kickstarter got started, but uh, I wasn't, I wasn't used years later. Now, one of the things about Zoop that I really like, and you mentioned it was that this is more comic centric. Uh, as I, I told Jordan when I interviewed him a couple of weeks ago, I said, I don't want the world's best salt shaker. You know, that's not the thing that I go to Kickstarter for. And so for me, I, you know, to, to see a site that actually is much more comics oriented, I really like. I think that's a great, great move forward. Yeah, certainly, you know, that played into the decision as well, is that we wanted to be um, we wanted to be part of this and supportive of this because um, a, you know, kind of a comics. um shopping market um, that basically, you know, that every week or two, there's going to be a new comic project up there that uh, that's worth taking a look at. Um, we, we really like that notion. We like the notion that it was going to be um, kind of a, a comic centric site that uh, was going to be a renewable resource for people who wanted to bring their comics to, uh, to crowdfunding and, and look, Kickstarter is a great platform. I don't think anybody's, um, anybody's saying it isn't, mm-hmm. uh, but Kickstarter, you know, Kickstarter is a, a big giant monster and, um, <laughs> you can get lost on it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so Zoop is obviously a little bit more curated, a little bit more, um, uh, you know, hand, hand selected artisanally, I guess you could say. Um, mm-hmm. so, um, so, and, you know, hopefully this is a success and the, you know, Zoop continues to bring projects out um, so people can sort of start to become aware of it as a, as a platform in general for, uh, for checking out what kind of comics um, are being created. Well, the, the initial group that has been coming out, I, I've liked every one of them. I've supported each one of them on Zoop because I think it's a very important thing to do. I think it, it's, it's great to uh, all the projects I think are really, 
really worthwhile and really interesting. And so, you know, of course, they've got uh, you and Andy and Rick involved, which is a uh, a great team to to bring in early in the in the game. And all the other ones are uh, I, I haven't seen anything I haven't liked out there. So it's really a great. I, I think they really started off with a bang. And I, I want to see this one get funded, and I want to see. Uh, other stuff come to I, I want to see this story go on. You mentioned that you have you hope for three chapters, and that I really like to see that. That sounds like a great story. Well, it, we we decided that if we were going to do this, um, uh, that we should lean into um, kind of what the sweet spot has been for for Andy and myself mm-hmm. on various projects over the years, and kind of some of the stuff that we're. Um, that we're known for. So for me, obviously, Green Lantern and Silver Surfer, um, Marvel versus DC, Star Wars. So stuff that has a very, um, a very cosmic sort of bent to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and for Andy, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Legion of Superheroes, Nova. Um, so separately, we have uh, we have kind of uh, tilled some of the same soil. And, um, in fact, Andy and I did a Guardians of the Galaxy one shot together a number of years ago. So, um, we've, you know, we've done this stuff separately and now that we're doing a lot more co-writing, uh, and this is frankly just one of the projects that Andy and I are co-writing. We did, um, DC's Endless Winter, uh, Justice League event in December, mm-hmm. um, and um, we just, you know, we get along. We have the same kind of story sensibility, um, and it's, uh, you know, it's a it's a very pleasurable collaboration, um, and we have fun doing it. That's the that's the biggest part of it is um, we we kick stuff back and forth, and um, <clears throat> Andy has an idea, and I try to, you know, I try to improve upon it, and then he tries to improve upon what I'm imp- improving upon, and I think we get a better book out of it. It's great. I read that Endless Winter, and I really liked that. I thought that was a great, a great story in there. It was not. It was that in between time for DC. They were in between uh, Future State and uh, some other stuff were ending. So I, I enjoyed the story. I liked that kind of stuff. I, I I like mythic and galactic type stuff. So I, I really enjoyed it. Um, we had a we had a ball doing it. It was it was um, you know DC came to us and said you know, we need, we need a winter event. What do you, what do you guys got? And, um, that's the story that came out of it. And it went through a lot of, a lot of permutations. Um, you know, the, the the basic core of the story is the same, but a lot of the details are, you know, evolve as you're doing it. And, um, characters come into the story, characters get taken out of the story. Um, you know, more books are added to it. Oh, by the way, we have a Teen Titans chapter. What do you guys want to do with that? So it's, um, you know, it's an evolving collaborative process when you do a project like that. I think it was nine issues over five weeks, um, about 200 pages total. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you're working with a lot of different editors and a lot of different art teams. So there's, you know, there's a lot of meetings, there's a lot of coordination. um, And, you know, but certainly it's not, it's not our first rodeo for doing that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, not to, um, not to polish our own apples. I think we're, you know, we're fairly good at that kind of thing where it's gotta be, you know, you're pulling together a bunch of disparate characters into one story and, and that's a skill set. you know, that's a skill set to, to play with other people's toys and not break the toys and put them back where you're supposed to. Um, 
and you know we had great editors and great characters um, to play with. I think the I think the Endless Winter hardcover comes out in I think November. Um, oh, so that's that's good. There's there's no sense in you know obviously there was no sense in putting out the the big Endless Winter um, uh, hardcover in the middle of summer. So uh, <laughs> it it waits almost a year to to be collected. But um, I'm looking forward to seeing the whole thing together at once. Well, I, I'm big on that. I, I I remember when I think it was uh, Grant Morrison did a Klaus book, and the first issue came out in December, but it was a mini series, and the last one came out in May. And I remember wondering how many people besides me were buying the the concluding one in the middle of May. <laughs> yeah, well, you have to, you know, it, that was one of the the attractions to us was all right. Well, we'll get this you're going to get the whole thing in December, you know, beginning, mm-hmm. middle and end. It's going to be your, your holiday read. Um, and you can, you know, you can cuddle up in front of the fire with, uh, with your hot chocolate um, and read this, read this 200 page story. Uh, mm-hmm. If you, if you so choose um, mm-hmm. it was, um, it was a, you know, it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. Look, superheroes should be fun. Superheroes, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of the sort of dour, realistic superheroes. Um mm-hmm. You know, I want to. I want to have. Uh, I want to have superheroes that you know. Yes, face world-shaking uh, events and have to. You know, have to save the universe on a regular basis. But they should have fun doing it. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's why uh, the like the Superman issue of Endless Winter that uh, mm-hmm. Phil Hester drew. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's not an accident that there's like gorillas in it. And, and, you know, <laughs> Superman's dog shows up in it because mm-hmm. I like gorillas and dogs. And damn it, mm-hmm. we're going to have fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got to ask you then, because, of course, you excel in all these different areas. What was it like to go back to, like, basically a creator-owned property as opposed to playing in somebody else's sandbox? Um, or- you know, I, I honestly don't approach it any differently, Wayne. To me, mm-hmm. it's just, you, you know, you're telling the best story that you can. Um, within the parameters that you're given. Um, if it's a creator own story, you don't really have parameters other than the ones you impose on yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of, you know, page, you know, the, the page count and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, you know, I've done a bunch of creator own stuff over the years and I've done a bunch of work for hire stuff over the years. And mm-hmm. I, I can't say that, um, that I approach one differently than the other. Um, the only real difference is that when you do work for hire, when you when you write a you know two hundred page Justice League story, mm-hmm. you know that you are playing with somebody else's toys, and mm-hmm. that um, there's a large amount of coordination that's going to go into it, um, and you mm-hmm. have to be okay with that. Um, you don't you know you don't go in and and you know write a Justice League story and pitch a fit because editorial has some you know some constraints that they want to. Uh, that they want to put on your story or, you know, you thought you were going to have, uh, you thought you were going to have Martian Manhunter, but he's got to do something else that month. So you don't have him and you end up with, uh, with Blue Beetle. Um, That's, that's part of the process. And that's, um, that's honestly one of the first, that's basically the first lesson I learned in comics, um, Mm -hmm. taking over Silver Surfer after Starlin Mm -hmm. uh, in the midst of the Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, mm-hmm. storyline mm-hmm. and you know so my my first batch of issues were all tie-ins to a much larger storyline so i couldn't um i couldn't just do what i wanted i had to coordinate i had to uh, i had to follow um 
I had to follow a, a, a map that was um, that was given to me. Um, mm-hmm. Not that the stories were given to me, but you know the parameters of okay, surfer has to be here at the beginning of the issue, and he has to be here at the end of the issue, so it ties in with you know Infinity Gauntlet number three, and you know you, you just it's part of the process, the coordination that you go through, and the um, you know in some ways it makes you more creative, the, mm-hmm. the more. Uh, the more structure that's given to you, you figure out a way to, t- to do the thing that you want to tell the story that you want within that structure. Um, and I think, um, I think that was a, a, a great boon for me starting off uh, in comics that that was the first thing I did. That was, I didn't know that it was teaching me valuable lessons at the time. Cause I was just thrilled to be doing it period. Mm-hmm. But certainly it was, um, it was a great training ground. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you, you reminded me of a, I had a friend of mine who wanted to write Star Trek Deep Space Nine, but she didn't like one of the main characters. And so she decided she was going to write a script in which she killed that character. And we all sat around and said to her, you, you honestly think they're going to buy that script after they've invested this character? Yeah, once they see it, they'll know that she deserves to die. Yeah, well, that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he told her. Uh, I, I don't think that's going to take place. And she was shocked when they sent it back to her. But uh, we said, yeah, I think you better leave the killing of the characters to the, the people who run the show. I think that might be a, a smart idea. Yeah, you don't, you don't hop onto Batman and decide you're going to kill Batman. Uh, <laughs> no. That's just not the way it goes. No, although I wish they bring Alfred back. I have to say that's one thing. Well, you know, it's comics. That's nobody, right. nobody, nobody. We used to say, you know, nobody stays dead except Bucky, and now we can't even say that. <laughs> oh, no, that's true. It was uh, Robin too. Which, which one of the Robins died? And when Jason, uh, he came, he came back. Even they, they, they used to say that the two creators who who had killed them were talking together, and they said, "Hey, well, you know what? At least they didn't bring our characters back." And all of a sudden, they both got interrupted, and they said, "We're bringing your characters back." That is absolutely the way it works. You're, yeah. uh, you you get to play with the toys for a while, and then you pass them on to somebody else. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the thing about comics that are you, you have to get used to that. Although, see, like indie comics, of course, like Resolution, you could in midstream change direction. You know, because well, I'll it's tell you what: story. if if we kill somebody in Resolution, they're going to stay dead. Okay, well, that's <laughs> that'll be something unique as by or, in my or, reading. Or, or should I say, when we kill somebody in Resolution, they're going to stay dead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because that's one of the things – there was an indie book, and I was t- interviewing the guy who wrote it from, from the UK, and he had written a four-issue series, and at the end of the second issue, he did kill the main character. And then from then on, I went with that character's daughter was the main character for the last two issues. And I remember telling him, boy, I don't remember ever reading that in a comic before. And he was uh, like, well, I thought I'd surprise people. He goes – you're you're definitely the captain of your own ship um, yeah. when you're doing a creator own book. There's nobody to look over your shoulder and tell you yes or no. Um, yeah. So that's a you know that's a big attraction to um, to that to doing that. Um, mm-hmm. But look, there's there's also an attraction to writing Superman. Uh, mm-hmm. That you know scratching that itch that you've had since you were ten years old mm-hmm. um, is a pretty damn fine way to make a living too. So mm-hmm. I'm. I'm glad um, that as a writer, I get to pursue both of those things at the same time. I'm doing, cool. I'm doing work for higher stuff and creator own stuff both at the same time. 
um, artists generally aren't that fortunate because um, because they um, they have to kind of pick one just because of the nature of of um, their work process and how long it takes them to produce the material. Um, you kind of get to, you know, you're either working on a creator own book uh, or a work for hire book at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not a lot of, you know, you can't switch back and forth or the deadlines no. just, uh, just roll right over top of you. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of tough stuff. Tough stuff. Well, we want to get, make sure that people know resolution is the name of the book. It's on zoop.gg and slash C slash resolution. And of course it's Ron Mars here, Andy Lanning and Rick Leonardi are the, the folks bringing this great story to us. And we want to make sure as soon as you can get to there and dive on board and support this great project, which I'm sure is going to be great fun. Like I said, I, I, I'm so anxious to see an older or a, a, a more senior female lead character. And the whole story just sounds great to me. I just can't wait to, to have a read of this stuff, which I, that's why I've already supported it. So I encourage you to do the same. Be sure to get out there and back resolution at zoop.gg. I like to say that because there are other zoops out there and we got to get the GG right, or you might not get to the right one. So we want to get to do that. So, uh, Ron, if people want to keep up with you as far as social media, how do they do that? Uh, the easiest place is Twitter, where I am just at Ron Mars. Um, that's the one that I use uh, the most, the one that I'm on the most. Um, mm-hmm. There is a uh, there is a Facebook fan page where you'll see announcements and, and stuff like that. Um, and there is an Instagram, but it's not terribly well maintained because there's only so many hours in the day. So I tend to, uh, I tend to, uh, put most of my attention on Twitter and at some point we'll get the others, you know, we'll get the others, um, up and a little more, uh, uh, a little more, uh, exciting. But, uh, for now, uh, there's, there's too many comics to write for me to devote a whole lot of time to the other stuff. How horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 definitely first world problems. You know, yeah. I, I've I've been putting in a lot of you know sixteen hour days lately. Wow, and, um, it's uh, it's juggling you know juggling numerous things, juggling comics, juggling video game stuff, some prose stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, so uh, if I can if I can squeeze out an hour and get to the gym, I feel like you know I've been I've been well served. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, look, you know, if you if you love what you do, don't complain. That's right. That's right. And keep it up because those of us who are fans who really enjoy being able to read all these good stories and to to enjoy the experiences of those. So it's just great stuff. Well, it's it's very much a you know it's a it's a labor of love for us. Now, obviously, it's it's how we make our living. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I think for for most people, for I would imagine certainly for for Andy. For Rick, for Andrew Dahlhouse, who is our colorist on Resolution, um, look, if we all, you know, either won the lottery or robbed a bank in the next week, um, <laughs> I'm sure we'd all still be doing comics because mm-hmm. it's just, you know, it's it's what we have to do. It's not even, uh, yeah, of course we love it, but it's just like you have to when you have that when you have that bug, you gotta you just gotta do it every day. That's right. You gotta scratch that itch to get that done so it's and it's all good stuff too that's the great thing all great stories with great characters and then taking chances a lot of the times is one of the things you guys do that i really appreciate uh, doing things that are a little different that we might not have seen before so ron all i can tell you is keep it up and get out there and support resolution we want more of that 
Thanks, Wayne. It's always a pleasure. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed, but as a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. It's great to welcome to the podcast Josh George, the artist on a great book from Top Cow, which is part of Image, called A Man Among You. And <laughs> it's starting with number five. Uh, your artwork does, Josh. So how are you doing, Josh? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. It's um, good to talk. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's good to talk with you, and I'm I'm interested because uh, uh, Man Among You has already put four issues out, and you're picking up the baton on number five. Um, and I have to say, I always love Top Cow. I, I, if I see Top Cow on a, a book, I tend to buy it because it's always something interesting and something great. And uh, you're picking up with Stephanie Phillips, who's the, the writer uh, from the beginning, and you are the, the artist as of issue five. So uh, let's see, you're described in the book, and I'll read the description. It says, Josh is an American comic book artist and freelance illustrator with – an MFA in painting and drawing from LSU. He's currently residing in Pensacola, Florida, which isn't far from where I am either. Some of his published work includes art for Grim Tales of Terror, for Xenoscope, and 2000 AD. So, wow, that, that's quite a variety of stuff. How, how did you get to work for 2000 AD? They were one of the few co- uh, magazines that still allow – uh, mail-in submissions and i'm not I, actually i'm not even sure if they do that anymore and most of the comic book companies you know 20 years ago 25 years ago you could draw some sample pages and and actually mail them to an editor you know at the marvel offices or dc comics but then because of various um legal issues um most of these companies stopped doing that. Hmm. But um, 2000 AD, back, I guess, around 2014, I, I actually mailed them some artwork submissions, and then they looked at it and um, let me draw a couple couple short stories. Great. Yeah. Now, what about Grim Tales of Terror for Xenoscope? Talk about that, because I'm not as familiar with that. Uh, what was that about? Those stories are usually um, – you talk about the stories or how did I get the, the – Well, both yeah. actually. Okay. How did you get to do it first? Let's start with that. Actually, um, from Instagram, and that's I think that's becoming a little bit more common now, people making connections through Twitter and Instagram. And one of the editors saw my work on, on Instagram and asked if I'd be willing to – to draw some uh, sample pages with, with one of their characters. And and they just asked for two pages. So I was like, you know, sure. I, let me give it a try. So I, I drew a couple pages and they liked them. 
so they asked me to do some work for them. And I think a lot of their stuff is kind of like, uh, I guess a little bit more grown up versions of like Hansel and Gretel or those kind of stories, you know, something that might be attractive. And then once you get involved in it, you, it's, you realize that maybe it's a mistake or something like that. That's kind of how their stories end up playing out. Okay. Um, and a lot of times, you know, it might have to do with like a seductress tempting uh, a, a man and then kind of like how our, how our own, the things that we desire will end up destroying us. Mm-hmm. A lot of the stories are kind of like that. Okay. Okay. So kind of fantasy kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So good stuff. So yeah, oh, that's great. Have you done other work besides that? That, uh, let's is that well, the stuff no, we know? In terms of sequential drawings, it's just those two. And then okay. I did some other covers. Uh, some of them, I did a cover for a guy that had a Kickstarter, and it's called Wolverton, about a about a, like a swashbuckling thief. Yeah, I know that series. That's a good series. Yeah, I did one of the cover, The second issue, I did the cover for that one. And then wow. I did a, some other covers for Xenoscope. But this is this new story is kind of like my big, you know, but the biggest thing that's happened for me so far in comics. Cool, very cool. Well, it's great because uh, sequential art is sometimes it's a real challenge, especially if you're used to covers, things like that. When you get actually have to sit down and do sequential art for an issue, that takes a little bit more. Uh, a little more, more work uh, for artists to do and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, it's definitely work. That's for sure. <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, we get to see your, your artwork and stuff like that and you're, you're doing it. Um, did it take a little while to get into the groove of doing sequential art like that? I, well, I guess I've done just kind of in the last five or six years, I've kept doing it kind of just trying to get better and get better. So working at it on my own, I've been doing it for a while because we're all trying, you know, where there's a lot of people like me that, you know, might have studied art and went to school for art, but we still are not necessarily full-time professional artists. Mm -hmm. So I've been working at it for a long time. So it definitely, there's a learning curve. That's for sure. Hmm. Um, and a lot of it has to do with just figuring out the best, most efficient way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that takes a lot of time. And then I think by the time I started working on this book, it's kind of like it all came together nicely to where I, I, I have a lot of the, the wrinkles sorted out, I guess. Good. Um, so I kind of know what I'm doing. I'm still making it up as I go a lot of times. Like, oh, this is a better way to do this. Because mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I just haven't been doing it. You know, it's like some of the people, like Adam Kubert. I'm a big I'm a big fan of Adam Kubert's work. And he's been in the comic business for so long where, that um, he's probably much more efficient than I am. Well, but you got to start somewhere. Right, yeah. You know, and, and you've got some uh, work under your belt, so that's a – you're not just starting from scratch, so that's a, a good place to be. So, And I have to say I like the art. The art in issue number five really is, is terrific. I really like it. 
it's really strongly done. The cover is particularly good that you see the main character pointing her sword down at, at uh, it looks like a, it must be a British person who got a red coat on. So right, yeah, it's really nicely done. I, I like that. It's a very strong cover. Well, before we get into the book, let me read the description of issue number five from ImageComics.com. It says, Pirate Queen Anne Bonny is back with her crew of Lady Buccaneers after a harrowing escape from a Caribbean prison. But can they find a safe haven on land or sea after Calico Jack Rackham's betrayal and the governor's promise to hunt down and execute Anne? This is the beginning of the second volume. As, as it likes to say. So really cool. That's pirates. And, and uh, you and I were talking before we started to record about the fact that you like the pirates of the Caribbean movies, those kinds of things. Yeah. I think um, I'm, I guess I'm a lay person in terms of real pirate history. So there might be some, I get, I think those movies are attractive to people that, might not care about the accuracy of something, but mm-hmm. it's entertainment. And I mean, of course, I, I've also been a fan of Johnny Depp for so many years, uh, even back when he did the movie Crybaby. I don't, I don't know if you remember that movie. No, I don't remember that one. No, okay. <laughs> well, you know, he's a superstar, right? So you know, he's been in so many movies. Mm-hmm. But and then I think I, I don't want to get too far off track, but I think I read that. Johnny Depp in or used Keith Richards as part of his influence hmm. um, for the character for his character in that movie. So that, that because I like the Rolling Stones and rock music, I, I think that's kind of kind of fun fun uh, idea as well. Mm-hmm. This is great. Now uh, we also we talked a little bit about before we started to record something I'm interested in. What is it like to pick up uh, a franchise that's already going? Uh, as an artist, because, uh, you know, uh, some people want you to continue to do the style that was in the first four issues, and some people don't. They want to see your style involved. How did you approach issue number five and, like, moving forward? Uh, how is your art going to be shown in issue five and continuing on? Um, well, the very first thing that I that I did when I was – when I was asked if, if I was interested in drawing this book um, was the main characters and Bonnie. Mm-hmm. So I just drew a few sketches of her and I knew that they weren't going to look the way the, the previous artists drew her. Mm-hmm. Um, Craig, Craig Cermak. Uh, gosh, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew, I knew I wasn't going to be able to draw it the way he did. But mm-hmm. in terms of just getting her costume close, mm-hmm. that was my my main goal. And mm-hmm. the editor and the writer, it's kind of uh, like almost everything I drew. They just they, you know they liked it, so I didn't have a whole I didn't have anything saying no, don't do it that way, do it more like this. Mm-hmm. They were kind of like just go with what you come up with, and that and, and they they kept liking everything I did, so it made it kind of kind of uh, easy <laughs> and also i'm really the only different person on this because the colorist is the same mm-hmm. um so i think that probably helps with some of the feel of the book mm-hmm. 
but the previous artist, he, he, he really did a good job. So it was, I think it kind of made my job easier because for reference, you know, I, I looked at the previous comics, especially for like costumes and things like that. Like I I don't want to make things too different. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Well, that's good because I I really liked the the I didn't notice that much of a transition from the previous because I read the trade, and then I read I got a, a sample of issue number five, which by the way we want to make sure is going to that people know as soon as possible that it's going to be out on the fourteenth this coming Wednesday. You want to make sure that you let your store know that you want a man among you. Uh, if if they don't have the trade, they can order it through Image Comics. Uh, they'll help you with the story. If you can uh, catch up on the trade, which has the first four issues, and you can jump right on board. I, I don't know, though. As I read issue number five, I don't know if it's required to read the trade. Because I think you can, you can pick it up pretty quickly what, what story's going on. What, yeah, I think, I think that's probably, you know, true. I don't th- you might not need to read the first four issues. I think... Even if you just look at the covers, you can tell which character is the main character, mm-hmm. um, Anne Bonnie. Which, even though it, she, her name is not in the title, I think it's kind of obvious that she's she's the one in charge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, you you probably don't need to 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 read the previous ones. They're good though; it's an interesting read. Oh yeah, I, I think they're I- fun to read. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm yeah. just saying that if you can't for some reason uh, find the trade, you can still read number five, I think, and you'll have a pretty good idea as to what's happening, which is, you know, I always think that's a wonderful thing. If a comic can make it that you can get on board without having to read all the previous issues, that's great. That That is, to me, a sign. It's one of the things I love about Top Cow. They always do a wonderful job of making it that you can pick up and read the book, which I like. So it's just great as far as that goes. But uh, so uh, as far as doing that, we mentioned too, that on the back of issue five, there are some of your sketches. Are those the sketches you turned in or are those new sketches? Um, I can't remember all of them that are in there, but I, those were all sketches that coincided with issue five. Mm-hmm. And I think some of them were like just ideas for for the cover. Usually, when you when you're going to do a cover, the editors will ask for th- for three sketches. Mm-hmm. So I think some of those were just unused, and and then some of them were just random studies. Like I had never drawn a pirate before, you know, starting work on this. So mm-hmm. I think one of the pictures was just a random pirate. Like, what does a pirate look like? You know. <laughs> <laughs> good to know yeah. you know it's a good thing to to have there's there's one on the back there's a Anne and the pirate sketch where she's standing there holding a gun and there's two guys behind her oh yeah one, yeah there's one where she's waving a sword and then i think mary reed the other uh woman pirate is there with her and then there's other sketches with like a dark background a brown background stuff so and pages too there's some layout of the, the drawings of the pages and stuff which is always good to see so pretty nice. I, I have to say, I really like it. I think it's a, it's a very good, uh, and you and the female figure, I have to say, you do a super job with a female figure. <laughs> I have to say, I really like that. Yeah. Um, it takes a lot of work. I think one of the things, especially 
when artists are young, they have a tendency to draw either males better than females. You know, usually they have a strength. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, I was more comfortable for a long time drawing males. Mm-hmm. So I had to put in a lot of time, you know, making women look, you know, ladylike. And, and I think that's something that a lot of artists probably deal with. And then you have people like Adam Hughes and Terry mm-hmm. Dodson that are just so good mm-hmm. at drawing, you know, beautiful women. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we all kind of aspire to that, you know. Mm-hmm. Of course. Now, I don't know if you ever heard the story about Bruce Timm, who uh, Batman, the animated series. Um, he and his crew were so good at drawing male figures that they struggled to draw the female figure. And so what they did was, and I read this in, in like a, a book where he was talking about his experience as an artist. He actually, they, they hired female artists to come in and show them how to draw a feminine female figure. Which, which I hadn't is, heard that story, but it, it makes sense because, yeah. and I think it's part of our own like psychology. Mm-hmm. Like we're, like we're more comfortable we're more familiar with our own faces than we are any other. So if you were just to to draw something out of your imagination, mm-hmm. it would probably have the characteristics of your own face. And mm-hmm. so women are going to have something ingrained in their, in their brain a, a closer to how women look, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think if you see that there's a really great female artist, Joelle Jones. Yeah. And all the stuff she does is just mm-hmm. really amazing. Mm-hmm. It's really good. But it goes. I think once people have been doing it a long time, then they're comfortable to doing, you know, males or females. Well, some men accentuate the positive, shall we say, when it comes to female figures. And I, yours look. You talked about wanting to make it realistic and things like that. It looks very realistic, which I appreciated. You know, because. I mean, like Power Girl, for example. Uh, the the story goes on that Jeff Johns he wanted Power Girl to, shall we say, <laughs> look bigger than 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 real life might be, and it was kind of hilarious to me because he he actually told the artist to draw her that way, that he wanted her to be uh, buxom in that and larger than life kind of stuff. And, you know, uh, and they went with it. Of course, Jeff Johns, who's going to say no to Jeff Johns. But I got to I appreciate the way that you did the, the, the women in here because they look much more um, they're feminine. And, and yet they're also they're not <laughs> uh, beyond, shall we say. Uh, they're, they're absolutely realistic, which I appreciate. In there, I really liked that. I thought that really looked. It turned out really well the way that you did them. When, like, we're, when we're talking about uh, drawing female characters, and I think with with comic book artists, you have so many people to look at. And in terms of the popular artists, I think J. Scott Campbell, mm-hmm. he is you know famous for drawing women and. And like I mentioned before, Adam Hughes. And I think my favorite comic book artist of all time is probably Alan Davis. Hmm. And 
I think my approach is similar to his. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he, I try to draw women uh, attractive, but not necessarily too sexy, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and, I, and I know for some reason, Alan Davis's women, they, 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 they fit that they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're not quite pinups the way, you know, you, you see other um, people have their comic girls, you know? Right. And there's something for everyone, every, you know? Uh, but I think, yeah, with this story, I think it, it, well, I guess that's another part of what you, when you asked me previously about, you know, the, the artist that was working before. Yeah. I don't know. I guess that's, Hmm. Well, I think you do a great <laughs> job. I, I, I think you did a great. I, I think it turned out superbly well. I, I you know, I. It, it's important for me, especially in an action-oriented book, you know, to to have things look realistic and have things move in a very positive way that makes it visually interesting, but not distracting <laughs> might be the way I, I, I'd put it. And I think that you did a, a excellent job. I think this is probably why you got the, the gig to do this book was because you did it right on target. I think this, it, it, it I, I couldn't make any suggestions as to how I think you should do it differently. I think you did just absolutely right on target. Yeah. Th- thanks a lot. That's a, uh, it's really nice to hear. Um, now, I did listen to an interview that uh, Stephanie talked about with issue number five coming. And there's, uh, let's just say the second page, the first page actually clears up one of the questions that people had about Anne, shall we say. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, It's probably not going to reveal too much to say that she is, let's just say that she has spent the night uh, enjoying herself and she is in a bed with <laughs> two ladies there. And the uh, uh, in comes Mary and sees her there and says, whoops. You know, she didn't. That, that's one of the things they wanted to, that, that I understand she wanted to do was to say that, that she was a character who had lots of preferences. <laughs> Maybe that's a good way to say it because, and so you got to draw that. That was probably the first, that's the first page, you know, after the, the cover that we get to see and stuff like that. Did you, how did you approach doing that? I mean, that was kind of the, the first thing that, that, that people are going to see of your artwork. Um, how did you approach that? Did you, you know, this was a, a case where the female figure, I think you'd again, hit it right on target where it's visually interesting and not too uh, overwhelming, shall we say. How was it to approach that page? Right. That is a little bit of a challenge because I think that's where you have to be, I guess, creative with how sheets and linens (laughs) cover things. Um, Yes. Um. But yeah, that's the thing. Also, is I guess natural. How how would it look naturally? Mm-hmm. People people sleeping. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's the the best answer would just be how would people naturally be lying down mm-hmm. after, um, you know, something like that. 
Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. uh, it took, you know, several sketches and, and yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, it's, that's the first time I've ever drawn something like that before. And they, they gave you a challenge right off the bat on the first page, something that you had to, to, I'm sure, had to work on to make sure that it turned out exactly right. So, But it turned out beautifully. I think it turned out great. And then as we move along, now, some most of the characters are uh, we've seen in the first uh, four issues. But then we get further on and we get to see you introduce a new female. Do you want to talk about her? Okay, her name is Amira, mm-hmm. and she's kind of mysterious. So even though I've read the scripts, mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot in I'm still kind of finding out as these stories go as well. And and I've only got up to so – right now we're, I'm working on the third issue. Mm-hmm. So even I don't know really about this lady mm-hmm. in terms of where her loyalty lies. So that's what makes these next issues kind of interesting. But um, – so Stephanie just sent me a few pictures and um, she looks kind of like a barmaid mm-hmm. and that's sort of um, what we're going for. A, a woman who's comfortable in, in the after hours type of locations, mm-hmm. um, but she's cunning and crafty. She's not necessarily, um, she's not a simple, you know, character, mm-hmm. but she's, she's supposed to be beautiful and attractive, but she's also cunning and has things up her own sleeves as well. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, she's a, a fun character really. And she's on the cover, the cover that I did, of issue five, issue six. Okay. She's the the main character on that. Okay. Cover. Cause I saw that as you get to the end of the issue, there's a next issue thing. And that's, that's her on the cover, the number of issue six. So that's good to know. I didn't realize who that, that's was. That's great. It's good to see. Now I've got to ask you as an artist, do you prefer to be surprised or do you prefer to know what's going to happen ahead of time as you're drawing? You know, I guess I would probably prefer the surprise. Okay. Because if I knew too much, it might give away something subconsciously with how I draw something earlier in an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes you spend so much time drawing. Like mm-hmm. I would say if a, a page usually takes me about 10 or 12 hours to draw it, mm-hmm. you know, from start to finish. Mm-hmm. So by the time, I guess by the time you finish each page, mm-hmm. the surprise has come and gone. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you just put in work. And so even talking about issue five, because I drew it a couple months ago, I have to like think back and like, what was that? Because I've already drawn so many pages after since mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Cause I, I'll tell you, cause I edit, uh, some uh, comics, I some indie comics and stuff like that. And the the person who I was editing for wouldn't tell me what was coming. Um, the reason why he didn't do that was because he wanted to get my reaction. Uh, when I'd see the, uh, the the script, I would read it and I go, "Oh, I didn't expect that," you know. And kind of, he wanted to see how I would respond to the the stuff like that. And I think sometimes that's good because. 
he immediately gets a reaction before it's ever gone out into the world. You know, at least this person who didn't know what was going to happen got this reaction. So that he wanted to get that kind of a thing, kind of an immediate thing like that. So I, I think that that's a helpful thing. Artists, as, since you guys think visually, I'm sure that's kind of a uh, that kind of helps you put together. I mean, does, does she give you the whole script? Is that how you get the scripts to to draw the issues? Um, usually, usually I'll get the whole twenty pages. Okay. Um, but I think this one I've only gotten half of it for issue three, mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. uh, Stephanie's just got so much stuff going on. Yeah. <laughs> right now, she's so busy. Yeah. Um. So I, I think um. I'm on, I've done, I've finished the first four pages. So I'm, I'm sure by the time I get, you know, nearing the, the rest of what we have, she'll be able to finish those other pages. Mm-hmm. Does she like to get your reactions as you're drawing it? Um, I think, I think so. And even, even as I'm drawing, usually when I, when I first sketch something, I'll show her and, and I'll send, I'll send the sketches to the editor and Stephanie and I think, um, for the most part, I don't think that they've, they haven't really asked me to change anything. They like everything that I've done. So it's really encouraging working with, uh, working with them so far. Cool. Cause a lot of times you're working, you're working on something and it might not come out for three or four months. Right. So it's, it's hard to it's nice to get positive feedback from people, you know, because mm-hmm. no one else is going to see it for yeah. months to come, you know? Right. <laughs> and, and then by the, like you said, by that time, you've already, you're in a couple of issues beyond that. So, you know, it, it's good to, if you can get immediate feedback that kind of encourages you to keep moving. That's a great thing. I, I, I'm sure that particularly for artists who think visually, that's a, a wonderful thing for people to do. I think that, you know, I, I, <laughs> I have known some artists who gr- grumble that ah, they keep making me make changes all the time. And I, I always get a kick out of that because, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, your image of what's going on and it's hard yeah, at, at some point, although, you know, as an artist, you start working with a writer and eventually you guys get in sync to where, you know, that the, that happens less and less because the two of you have worked out things and have come together as far as the visuals move. And so I'm, I'm sure that, you know, the good news is you're you're pretty much already there. You know, you're, you're drawing things the way that they like it. And, you know, hey, that's a, that's a great accomplishment. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. Sometimes I guess that's like, I, and you see this with uh, illustrators, like the classic illustrators, like Norman Rockwell. Mm-hmm. A lot of times there is only like one best way to show something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are certain, I guess when you, when you get into drawing comics, mm-hmm. there's, I guess things that, that tend to work. Like whenever I think of like the the standard of the best comic, like the Citizen Kane of comics, for me it's Batman Year One. 
Mm. Frank Miller and uh, Mazzuchelli, or mm-hmm. gosh, is it Mazzuchelli or Mazzuchelli? Uh, there's no pronunciation guide, so we don't know. <laughs> okay. But that's kind of like something I always go back to and look at mm. for, for pacing and storytelling. And I guess there's a few books like that that I look at mm-hmm. and see. But I guess, yeah, with comics, it's it's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I wanted to tell tell you because when I judge artwork, I usually judge it with two aspects: facial expressions and action sequences. And I thought you did really well on both of those. With this, I said there's just enough detail, but not too much. There's the, I get exactly what the person is feeling. You know, I don't need to. We don't need to say, oh, they were surprised. I, I get the surprise. You know, on their facial expressions, like when the soldiers are being shot and stuff like that. You know, I, I right away or getting stabbed and stuff like that. I don't need to say, oh, she stabbed him. Well, and, and he's hurting. Well, yeah, I got that. So I think you did a great job on both of those aspects, uh, making those things sparkle. So really terrific job, I thought. On that. And this is only your first issue, too. That's the great thing. Yeah, I think I think they're getting they're getting better. I think this, the next one is better than the first one. Or oh. issue six, I think, is better than five. Oh, boy. Yeah. It's giving me something to look forward to. <laughs> It'll be good to see. Now, this one is out on, let's see, the, the, as we said, is the 14th. Are they going to be monthly? Is it going to be like uh, about four weeks before we get uh, issue six? Um. I think it's four weeks, right. I think I actually think issue six will be out not it's a little bit less than a month after the after your issue issue five okay so like august 12th or something like that yeah okay yeah i just got it on image comics it's august 11th okay will be issue six and then september 8 will be issue number seven so that's great of course that's a schedule you're gonna have to really you book to keep up with you know because that's you know getting to do those good things and drawing particularly all the the detail and the pirate stuff. If you're drawing like modern stuff, it'd probably be a little easier, but you have to, are you doing a lot of research as to how things looked in that, that era? Yeah. I th- the most, I think the thing that I really had to look at, um, were the ships. Mm. And you don't really see a whole lot of, they're on land, you know, the whole issue five. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. I think so. But mm-hmm. yeah, for yeah. for something like a ship, I really have to look at something because I have no idea what it's supposed to look like. <laughs> and, and even with um, like the hats and and those kind of things, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I had to had to do a little bit of research. But thankfully, there's a lot out there. Um, and I, one of the things that I found really helpful were people that do like the revolutionary war reenactments and stuff like that. There's, I Mm -hmm. guess people that do that on the weekends Mm -hmm. and then there's yeah a lot of pictures of them posing and they've got pretty authentic looking outfits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. Because another good thing is the fact that everybody wears something that looks different from the other people. 
You know, if if they had a bunch of soldiers, like you know, when soldiers all look alike, that's okay. But when you've got four females and each one of them has a different outfit, that's good. I think visually, we know who everybody is. If, if let's say, because you've got uh, uh, the main character is a ginger, and then you've got a blonde and a dark haired and a person of color, so that makes it easier. It probably makes it a little easier to draw them too, because they're they're different from each other. You don't have to struggle to make them look different from each other. Right. And, and they're like the main character, Anne is kind of tall and, and, and thin mm-hmm. and yeah, their, their heights are slightly different. Mary's mm-hmm. shorter mm-hmm. and has short hair. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good. I mean, <laughs> I, I never know whether how many gingers there are in any given time period. Because, you know, a lot of people say gingers are the result of Vikings and stuff like that. They Somehow a Viking gets into a town and uh, nine months later, all of a sudden there's a bunch of children who are red haired and stuff like that. And I'm always kind of worried as to uh, how did the red haired person get in the middle of all this? But uh, you don't have to worry in a pirate thing. <laughs> the, <laughs> That's, the real Anne Bonnie, she's actually a real person. Mm-hmm. Um, she was, I think she was Irish. I think she was an Irish uh, oh, okay. pirate. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's great. That's good to know. Cause that, that, that kind of helps make all that, that stand out like that. So, yeah. So you did do a lot of research on these guys and, and, and finding out who's who. Well, I didn't know it was a real character until I did. I don't know if it, it was a recording I had, I did with uh, some of the top cow people for one of the cons. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Matt Hawkins, he was like, no, this was a real, she was a real character. And I, and I didn't even know like, Oh wow. So then after that, I, I, you know, try to do a little bit of research, but not <laughs> much is known <laughs> so long ago. And I didn't have photographs in those days very well. And, you know, so you basically, if somebody drew a picture or what somebody looked like, even that could, might not be reliable. So you got to kind of figure it out. I mean, is this more or less, this is kind of how you imagine she looked. Well, I think that part is just closer to the, what the first artist did on, on the first series. Mm -hmm. I just kept in line with that. Oh, okay. Um, Okay. Very good. Cause you know, the, your ability to help, you know, that continue on, let's say somebody was really into the first four issues, they can kind of look at it and go, okay, this is, you know, it's pretty close to what they did in those ones, and the story can continue on like that. So really nicely done. I mean, did you have trouble with, like, the framing of stuff like that? Because, like, I'm looking at one page on there, and there two of them are running side by side, and then other people join them, and then they run together as a group. And stuff like that, which is kind of fun to see. It's very much of a – this is where you get to be like a, a movie director. You get to uh, frame things as how they should look. And then it, it, I always say if somebody wants to shoot a TV show or a movie of something, look at the comic because you are directing the action as the artist and stuff like that. So did you do a lot of that as far as like making sure that everything – kind of went to you we're seeing things from the right direction i think a lot of those i think i know with the page you're talking about i think it might mm-hmm. be one of the last pages 18 or 19 mm-hmm. um i th- think that is just kind of i was thinking of well the in 
sometimes when I see something on a script and it, the way it describes something, it'll just make me think of how another artist handled the same thing. Hmm. And I don't know if you remember, I think it was X-Men mm-hmm. versus Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. There's a famous Walt Simonson cover with the X-Men and Teen Titans like running towards the reader. Right. So, so that it just made me think of that. And of course my, no one else would probably get that by looking at that. <laughs> um, Very but cool. some, sometimes to make something look, look natural, I have to look at some, some reference. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'm just looking at, you know, how do, how does a woman look running? So I might mm-hmm. look at some pictures of some Olympic runners or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, the great thing is they, they're not all running in sequence. They're not all running, you know, everybody doesn't have their left foot up at the right, at the exact same motion. Yeah. So, that would look silly. Yeah. Well, I see that. I hate to tell you, comic people do that all the time. Oh yeah. You know, I, I see that and I look at it and I go, ugh, they would never do that. Uh, so I, I'm glad I, when I saw that, that felt very real to me. So I, I really like that. So, yeah, I, I think you're off to a great start with this issue number five. And I, I highly encourage people uh, this Wednesday when you get to the store, a man among you, it's called, and I, I, some people say ye, I, I say yeah. I don't know whether that's, you know, nobody's alive that speaks that way anymore. So it's probably whatever we want. But uh, a man among yeah, Y E uh, on the end, and I'm, uh, it's really well done. I think Josh, you did a beautiful job on the art. I think it just stands out superbly. Uh, like I said, both the things that I like, you you do a great job on the facial expressions and the action sequences, and you leave it at a great place where I'm going like, now what? So beautiful piece of art, and on the last page to be continued with the the three words we hate most in in life to be continued. <laughs> yeah. And he did a beautiful job on that. And the cover looks great. I just for the next one, issue number six, I I think, man, they 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 did a great job in picking you for this book. I think this is just ideal. I, I hope you thanks. get to do I hope you get to do this for a long, long time. Because this is really something special. Really, really great stuff. Yeah, I hope I hope something uh picks up after this as well. I'd like I'd sure like to keep working. Uh, yeah. so maybe who knows? You know? <laughs> well, I, I hope we get to do more of these because these are. This is a great book. I think that your art is just has done well done for this, and it just makes the story really gripping to read. It complements Stephanie's script really well, so uh, just terrifically done. And and you're already at, uh, two issues beyond working on that one, so that's great. Um, are, is this the way they do that? Because I know Image sometimes takes breaks in between they'll, they'll do a few issues and there'll be a pause. Is that what's going to happen with this book? Do you know? Uh, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. It's above your pay grade, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. I think um, it might, it might have something. They might just see how this one does in terms of sales. Okay. Um, uh, I'm sure that's the bottom line for everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because a number five doesn't quite sell what a number one usually does, so they're, they're probably anxious to see how how the sales do for it. But I, I hope it sells really well because I really enjoyed the book. I thought it was a great issue, and now I want to see the next ones. I really got to keep up with this book because it's really terrific stuff. And I, you know, I I I hope that you get to do a lot of good sequential work moving forward if not on this one on other books as, as well if people want to follow you uh how do they do that on social media 
Um, I'm, I'm most active on Instagram and Twitter. And on those, my handle is the same at Josh George seven, seven, seven. So that's seven. Just think of a, uh, slot slot machine that has sevens. Okay. So Josh George seven, seven, seven. And that's what I'm using on, uh, Instagram and Twitter. Now you're freelance and stuff. Do you have a website? I do. I do have a website. Uh, it's art of If somebody wants to like, like say get a commission from you, can you get the, can they order one through there? There's a link to my email on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been able to do much commissions lately just because I've been so busy with this book, mm-hmm. but, um, and, and I guess one of the things that, that has kept me from a lot, usually when people want a commission, they want it drawn on like a sketch cover or a blank cover. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm always worried that I'm going to mess up on it oh. and then ruin the cover, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Death. Especially if you bend the fold, you know, fold it or something in such a way by accident and stuff. Or, or just doing comic work when you're inking, sometimes you'll put your hand in the wet ink. Oh. And then mm-hmm. on a, an original page, it, like if you ever see original comic book pages, mm-hmm. they kind of look pretty messy, you know, yeah. white out all over the place. Oh, yeah. um, but then a person on their sketch cover, they want it to look uh, pristine. And I'm mm-hmm. always afraid I'm going to mess it up. So you do, you don't use a computer then you tend to draw on paper. I, I do both. Okay. Um, I do most of my sketching on a, an iPad. Okay. And then a lot of times I will sketch on the iPad and print that out mm-hmm. and then transfer like using a light box to paper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Cause you know, I, I often talk to artists who use paper and the benefit of using paper for some people is they can sell that original art down the pike. And I've talked to many artists who only use computers. And when they do that, of course they can't, follow through with that kind of stuff. It's all just a computer image. You could print those out a million times and nobody would get an original. So that's, I always ask about that because I, I encourage people, if you want to do covers, like for example, on, on paper or, or cardboard or something, you can always sell that and that uh, little extra income for those kinds of things. So it's yeah, a good that's, thing. that's exactly what I do. I try to do, I try to do the covers and the splash pages actually drawn on, on paper. Mm-hmm. For that reason, maybe somebody will want to buy it. Cool. Well, that's great. See, that that's a that's a talent that many of us wish we had. <laughs> I wish I could draw and it look like anything that was worth something. <laughs> <laughs> so I could just all I can do is respect it and just think that you do a wonderful job on that and just great. I I can't wait to see issue number six. That cover has already got me interested in and in, in artwork. So this is so Josh. I I hope you have a long and successful career, not only on a man among you, but many other comics coming along i just think that there's uh, uh so much talent in there and so much uh, beautiful artwork that uh, you're generating already that uh, i think the future is really bright for you as an artist particularly in sequential art and maybe in other things too that'd be great to see uh, thanks so much hope i can continue you know working as well you know it's, it was my childhood dream to draw comics so oh 
Yeah. Great. Well, I, I think you're going to have not have any trouble fulfilling that dream. I think it's going to be great. That's it for this episode. Be back next time. I'll have another great interview with an excellent comics creator. Something I'm sure you won't want to miss. But until then, keep reading your comics.